I'm Michelle Ely from the Starlight Tribune, an Arrow TV show fan podcast, part of the Gunna Geek Network, just like the show you're checking out now. Shows on the network are individually owned, and opinions expressed may not reflect others. Find other amazing geeky shows at GunnaGeekNetwork.com. Welcome to episode 201 of Better Podcasting. On this show, we tell you how to prevent yourself going too far as a guest. In this week's Better Podcasting Download, we deez it up again. And finally, in this week's Better Podback, we take listener feedback, including a certain famous Australian with a question about the Roadcaster Pro. Lauren, start the show now so we can all forget about that Australian accent SP just did. Welcome to Better Podcasting. With a combined history of over a thousand episodes, and starting as early as 2008, we are hobby podcasters through and through, just like you. That's why we are different. We minimize the money talk so that you can focus on building a better podcast. Here are the hosts for the show, Stephen John Drew and Stargate Pioneer. Welcome to episode 201 of Better Podcasting. I am Stephen John Drew saying it's a little weird to say 200, and I am pleased to say that SP is here. Yeah, we're out of the wonderland as far as podcasts go. We're into the 200s, and that's good. It's not like you're losing weight, like you want to go from 200s down to 100s. You want to go from the 100s to 200s, and that's where we're at, 201. Thank you, everybody. We got a lot of great feedback from last episode, the 200. Thank you very much. I'm just going to say it up front. You guys rock. You guys are the reason that we do this show, so thank you very much for reaching out to us to tell us how much you enjoyed the show. But that is not the only feedback that we received this week, right, Stephen? You're right. I have to say that it was shocked. I was completely shocked at how many people were 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 really against the idea of SP going back to using the name SP instead of Alice because we're out of Wonderland now. And apparently they wanted to stick with the name Alice. I'm shocked, completely shocked. I'd probably be more like the White Rabbit. But <laughs> what I was really trying to talk about here is that we have an honest to goodness, how I saved my podcast story from a listener. And this is what we'd like to have for the future. This happened to be a video call, which was awesome to receive. Thank you very much. It's from Chris from Play Comics, and he has one doozy of a story. Hey, this is Chris from Play Comics, and I have myself probably the dumbest How I Save My Podcast story that I thought and I hoped that I would never need to tell, but it happened. So I guess we're going to have to prove that sometimes even experienced podcasters, if that's what I'm willing to call myself now, can royally screw things up. So on Play Comics, I have a guest on every episode. Part of my setup is that I hit record on my local machine. And then make sure to tell them that I do edit the show. If they say anything super horrible, I'll take it out. And also, I've gotten some good blooper reel stuff just from talking before the show actually starts. And then over on TriCast, I will hit record there when we're going to get started on the proper part of the show. But the episode for Time Cop that I did with Mark Diaz, I kind of screwed that up a little bit. I hit record on my local machine. We got to talking. Uh, that is obviously a dangerous move for me and Mark. 
especially on my end of things, because I totally forgot to hit things in TriCast. He noticed probably about 10 minutes into recording. I know that at some point I noticed, but I just kind of had to roll with it because I felt like the episode was going well enough that I didn't want to start over. And I knew that I had my recording on the local machine done. Now, granted, the one on the local machine is what I end up using most of the time because the TriCast one is not a ton better for the most part with what I'm able to record. But I do really like knowing that if anything has screwed up, I can go pull things in from the TriCast recording. Except I couldn't do that here. Luckily for me, part of how I saved my podcast was I told Mark, yeah, go ahead and record your side if you want to. Like, I think my exact words were, I don't really care if you record it, but if it makes you feel better, go ahead. Which is not something that I've told anybody since, I don't think. Because if they can record and they can send me it, why not? But really, how I saved my podcast is partly I got the recording from him and partly that I at least have the habit down of hitting record on my local machine. So even if that hadn't have been the best quality, I could have gone in and said, hey, I'm sorry, this one isn't going to be as good quality, but the episode is good. So I hope you can put up with it. So remember, everybody. Probably one of the most important parts of making a podcast is actually hitting record. Because if you don't record it, you can't really let anybody else hear it. Thank you very much for sending that in. And that's solid advice. Definitely record your podcast if you want people to hear it. Uh, This is something that it took me about two years of podcasting before I realized that I needed to actually record it. I was just talking to myself in a room, apparently. This is something that's happened to me several times. I remember the first time it happened was in a Legends of S.H.I.E.L.D. podcast, and we were down to just me recording. I said, it's no problem. I got it. I'm recording because it was an automatic Skype recorder. Well, it wasn't automatic that one time because it had upgraded and I hadn't turned the automatic function back on to it. So, yeah, we had to re-record that episode. I know we talked about it before. But having backups is key in this particular case. Chris found himself with a backup because his guest actually did the backup for him. So congratulations. That's great if it's available. I know it's not always available when you have a guest that they would be able to record. But if you do have another podcaster or YouTuber or whomever who's a content creator that is your guest and is capable of recording on their end, why don't you go ahead and just ask them to record and get you the file later and that will solve a great many problems it's happened to us before it's happened to chris and hopefully the next time you have a guest that you will make sure it's recording so it won't happen to you but if it does please send in your podcast how i save my podcast story to podcast at betterpodcasting.com One of the ways that it is often recommended by podcasters to try to help grow your show and your audience is by guesting on other shows. 
Guesting can also be a great way to help you add some unique content to your show as well. Having guests on your show can be a great way to add that fresh voice to your podcast without the long-term co-host commitments that usually come along with a co-host. And it can be mutually beneficial for both of the parties involved. No matter what the show is, though, there's always going to be some level of exchange that happens between the guest and the podcast that helps set this whole process up. Sometimes it's initiated by the podcaster, sometimes it's initiated by the potential guest, and sometimes it's actually initiated by a third party. However, these things are not set up for this exchange to happen properly, this initial exchange to happen properly. It can cause the appearance to be delayed or even canceled, perhaps. And that's why it's important for both parties involved to handle their initial communication leading up to the guest appearance in a matter that puts their best foot forward. Now, today we're going to be talking about some of the things that we've seen, which we think can stifle potential guest appearances on your show, stifle your potential appearance on other shows. And of course, we'll have some things that we think you can do to help put your best foot forward for best practices in either case. Let's begin by talking about some of the things that we think can cause issues with guest appearances. Number one, overly formalizing the guest vetting process, for example, by using a feedback form incorrectly. Although contact forms really can be great, they can be an awesome way to collect some of the basic details that you need in order to look and index that information. The thing is, you need to make sure that you're using them right, because if you're using them incorrectly, it can actually potentially put off a potential guest. You want to make sure you're using this form in a manner that is collecting the basic information without having to look through paragraphs of details, but you want to have it set up in a manner that is not going to lose that interest of that potential guest, especially if you've already got a level of personal communication happening between you and the guest already. For example, maybe you had somebody introduce you to a potential guest for this show. If they've already introduced the two of you together through a personal manner, if you go and all of a sudden say to them, okay, go fill out this form over here, you're essentially killing that relationship that has started to blossom. You're basically dismissing that guest, bulking them in with everybody else, which has not had that personal introduction, and you're also dismissing that person that went out of their way to give you that personal introduction to that personal guest. Instead, a better way to do this, if you really need that form filled out for your indexing purposes, fill, try to fill it out yourself, collect the details yourself, open up that dialogue, and then input it behind the scenes so you have it in your catalog properly. Try to build that connection better and show that appreciation for that personal introduction that was done. It's not only respectful to the person that introduced you, but also to that guest, which has reached out to you because of that personal introduction. Another practice that we think can sometimes stifle a potential guest appearance is by looking for too much of that information that Stephen was just talking about up front. Of course, it's important to get an idea of what potential guests have to offer. You don't want to just let anybody on your show. But you don't want to ask for a paragraph of information up front or pages or a novel or whatever you want to call it. The odds are that really good guests are pretty busy and they might even be in high demand. 
So if you ask too much for them up front, they might not submit that information to you and there goes a potential amazing guest. Instead, it's better to collect the information that you need in order to help create the guest shortlist. From there, you can engage in some personal conversations with the potential guests that you think might need more information from. And this helps build that relationship with your guests. And better yet, it creates a personal experience that guests might be more invested in coming on your show if you build an authentic relationship with them. One pitfall that we see new podcasters often run into is that they open up the guest appearances on their show to absolutely everybody. We just mentioned that you should try to vet some of your guests, but you don't want to go and just open things up so that it looks like you'll have everybody that you can possibly think of on the show. This is important because we do really feel like you need to make sure that you're filtering these guests and you're not ending up having some stinker of guests on your show, which could potentially drive away some listeners or drive away potential other guests. We recommend that if you are going to open things up for a process, try to have some form of application process in order so that you can set the expectations up front. And as you're doing this, request some of the information that you need to help try to avoid some of those stinkers. For example, you want to find a way to narrow down specifically what that guest is going to offer uniquely for your show. Now, this is going to vary. If this is a situation where you're looking for like an interview, then you might really have to prioritize what is that unique offering. If it's more of building relationship as like a fill-in guest or a fill-in host, you might just want to make sure that you've got enough information that you can feel confident that they will fill that seat nicely. Of course, on the other side of the table, there are some practices that we think should be avoided when you're trying to be a guest on someone else's show. SB, kick us off with those. Well, the first one that we're going to mention here is desperation. Yeah, we are saying that you definitely can come off too desperate when trying to be a guest on somebody else's show. Think back to high school. I know for some of you like me, that's a long way back. But think back to high school. You probably knew that one guy or gal that was coming off too strong for that person that he or she liked. They didn't know how to play it cool. And you just looked at them and you're like, dude, they are never going to be interested in you if you're coming off that desperate. You need to bump the brakes there, buddy. And I think Stephen had this said to him many times back in high school. I'm just guessing. Wow. Wow. That's insulting. Uh-huh. You don't want to be that way with podcasts, regardless of what you actually went through in high school, Stephen. So as an example of desperation when trying to be a guest is sending in feedback to every single episode in such a pushy manner that asks or hints to the host that you want to be a guest on their show. While it's okay to express your interest, if you're regularly communicating with a podcast, it should be out of a genuine appreciation for the show rather than having that personal motivation of trying to be a guest on the other show. The odds are that the podcasters can see through it and might actually hurt your chances of eventually getting on the podcast. Another example of desperation is taking this a step further and constantly commenting on their social media posts and then asking to be on the show. This is actually worse because you're not only giving it the feedback to the show, but you're also putting it in an avenue that is public where everyone can see your desperation. 
this can definitely hurt your chances of not only this show, but other shows as well, having you on as a guest. Which takes us to our next point. One of the things that we think can hurt your potential to be on other shows is guesting on too many shows. It's great to get out there and be a guest. Yes, you're getting your face to other audiences. But if you're constantly guesting on a variety of shows, it can sometimes make you seem a little less interesting to listeners, especially if they've heard you on multiple shows. And it can decrease your value of being a guest. If anybody has watched late night TV for an extended period, you've probably seen how when the celebrities have something to hawk, they do the circuit. They do the late night circuit and they end up being everywhere. Well, have you ever had an experience where you've seen a celebrity on one late night show and they end up telling a certain joke or a certain anecdote that you find amusing? And then you go and you watch them on another show and you've seen that same joke or that same anecdote. Well, the odds are the first time you thought, wow, this is funny. This is great. The second time you're like, oh, I've heard this one already. You don't want to put yourself in that position. If you're guesting on a whole bunch of shows, eventually the odds are you're going to run out of interesting, unique material. And that's going to maybe decrease your value with that potential listener. And they might not actually be that interested in coming and checking out your show. They might think, okay, this this person is a one-trick pony. Why do I want to check out their podcast? So you could definitely hurt your chances by overdoing it. If you've ever heard somebody who's been interviewed on a variety of different podcasts, the odds are you probably don't seek out those other interviews because of the fact that you've heard them already once or twice. And you can essentially create that effect for yourself by guessing in too many places. Another thing that can hurt your guesting ability is going on shows without offering any value or not knowing what value you need to offer to the show that you're on. If you come off as a talking head that is just blabbing for the sake of blabbing, RIP blab, then you might be putting off listeners. Not only might you be putting off listeners, but you might put off potential future guest appearances for yourself on other shows. Some podcasts will search out past guest appearances of potential guests, and if they hear an appearance where you just stank it up, they might take you off their guest shortlist and eventually not have you on their show. So you want to make sure that you are bringing value to the guest appearance that you're on. Moving on, in addition to all of the above, we have some best practices that we think you should be considered when trying to set yourself up with guests or trying to set yourself up as a guest. Let's start off where we did in the last section, the best practices for having guests, Stephen. First, ensure that you've clearly established an expectation of what you want them to talk about when they guest. It really sucks when you record an episode with a guest, you get to the end of it, and the guest appearance has been such a disaster that you realize you're not going to be able to publish that show. It's a really awkward conversation to have explaining that that episode isn't going to be released. Sure, you could go ahead and try to lie and say, oh, it was lost, but then they'll be like, oh, I'll come on again. And now you're back to where you were. It's a really awkward conversation to have to have with them. So if you outline this up front, you can help avoid some of that awkwardness by making sure that you've clearly uh, set the expectations of what you want from them. Another thing is, in the past, we've actually mentioned 
that some people use contact forms and contact systems with their podcast because you can get a bunch of email when you put yourself out there as a podcaster. Well, if you are using one of these, especially to help coordinate the guest interaction, you might want to make sure that if you've got any automatic replies or automatic filter set up, that you've got a way that you can take that individual contact and maybe put them in a different line of communication to you when you're ready to personally communicate with them. Because if you are trying to set up a guest appearance with somebody and they're constantly getting back that, that bounce back or that message auto reply, whatever it is, it can sometimes stifle that conversation and that communication between them. If all of a sudden they're getting an email back, they're seeing, oh, it's an automatic reply. And then maybe your reply comes on in that's authentic, but they think, ah, oh, that's just that auto, auto reply. And they don't actually realize that you've, you've properly replied. So if you can kind of take that email and put them in a different avenue and avoid that, now you know that you're going to have a direct one-on-one -on -one conversation. So just consider what automatic tools you're using, especially if it's automatic filtering. You don't want that guest to accidentally get pushed into a bucket that you only check once every other week. Make sure that you are well prepared for the audience that you are addressing. We've talked about having guests on your show before, so we won't go on into the best practices or the best ways to prepare for your guest experience. But the bottom line is there should be some communication and you should feel ready for it. A simple equipment example, for example, is that if you're appearing, you should have good equipment. And if you're having others on your show, they should have equipment up to your expectation or you should level your expectation in relation to the equipment that they have. And lastly, whether you're looking to have a guest on your show or looking to be a guest on another show, always make sure that you build an authentic relationship. There is value for everyone involved when you build a relationship as it makes it a much more enjoyable experience for everyone. And it also makes it a heck of a lot more fun, the entire experience. This can lead to a much better guest appearance on your show or your appearance on another show. This is the Better Podcasting Download. We have a story for you today that is relevant to hobby podcasters, and that is there was an announcement earlier today, actually, on the fact that you can get your podcast on Deezer. Wow, Sorry, what's... you're talking about that band that had like the blue album. Is that what it was? And they had like, oh, that was Weezer. Sorry. Mix those up there. My, my apologies. You had me going there because I yeah, <laughs> would never. I thought it was Blue Man Group that you were talking about. Anyway, Deezer. Now, what is Deezer? And it has approximately 14 million active users in 182 markets across the desktop, Android and iOS devices, according to their website. I do know that they internationally are a very important destination. And I think that they have Stitcher. I believe that they bought Stitcher. And so it is a good thing to have your podcast on. It is a destination that is worthy of submitting. And what they have done is they made it easy to submit your podcast to Deezer. There's a podcast submission form and you go to it 
and you provide all the information on there and you submit it and then your podcast is in their directory. So this is just an example of yet another destination for your podcast that has opened up another directory out there that is available to people that are already streaming audio. And it's just your advantage to do it because you take a look at the places that already stream music that have added podcasts, iHeartRadio, who have invented the podcast awards, apparently, and you have Spotify and you have Pandora. They've opened their doors to podcasts and it has opened the door to the average person that doesn't know how to use a podcatcher app or an iPod or iTunes or anything like that. So it's to your advantage to do this. I'm liking this, but yeah, I think this is good. They say as soon as you submit, your show should be there within 24 hours. You should be able to search for it. I think this is a good thing. Stephen, what do you think? Yeah, I think that this is great. And I've kind of changed my tune a little bit over the last couple hundred episodes of doing this show. And I think that it is something you really want to try to be in as many places as possible. I think that this is something that you're... I think we're seeing more people look at podcasts in different places. It used to be so much was in Apple. And now you look and a lot of people are really subscribing to podcasts through the app that they know. And sometimes that is uh, uh, something that didn't start out as a podcast app. So I think that if you can get yourself into these other directories, it's a little bit better. Now, I think from a monetization perspective, people might have different considerations. But luckily here, on Better Podcasting, we're hobby podcasters. And as our opening says, we put the money talk aside. And so from a purely hobbyist perspective, why would you not want to be in more places? Because if someone does open up that Deezer app and all of a sudden they search for podcasts and you're not in there, that's a problem. There are some technical specifications given in the article. And one is having an RSS feed. They're pretty adamant about that. Matter of fact, they list a whole bunch of podcast media host services to enable an RSS 2.0 feed earlier in the article. But when it gets down to the technical specifications beyond the RSS feed, one thing that they recommend is a bitrate quality of 128 kilobits per second. I know this is something that Steven's been recommending for a while. It doesn't say mono or stereo. What I'm guessing here is they're thinking that this is 128 kilobits per second stereo. And I'm thinking 96 kilobits per second mono would still be applicable, but it doesn't say, it doesn't specify stereo or mono. And I haven't reached out to Deezer to clarify. Importantly, though, because I know a lot of people have started distributing their show via the MP4 or M4A, is that the file format recommended is MP3, FLAC, Wave, or AAC. If you distribute your file via MP4 or M4A, your podcast may be disabled. So take that for what it's worth. And then the artwork has to be a PNG file at 1400 by 1400 pixels. I'm I'm just guessing that up to 3000 would be okay with them since that is compliant with Apple Podcasts as well, but I don't know for sure. I don't know if this will get your podcast disabled. I also don't know if the wrong bitrate quality will get your podcast disabled. Who knows? Uh, I think we're definitely seeing a variety of different technical specifications recommended by a variety of different companies. And I think ultimately, whether they're looking at mono or stereo, you want to consider that more and more are requiring higher. And I think when you're making your choice of where you're hosting your file, 
considering that it's pushing up. The industry might not want it to push up. You might have all sorts of consultants and other people within the podcast industry that have been doing this for a very long time saying that it's a bad idea, but we're seeing a higher bit rate recommended. And ultimately, who knows what that determination is going to be? Is it going to be something that they're going to go, yeah, we recommend 128 stereo, so uh, 2 times 64 mono equals 128? Or are they going to have an algorithm that goes in and goes, check bit rate. Okay, bit rate doesn't mean 128. They don't care if it's mono or stereo. My money would be it would be on the latter, that they're going to have just an algorithm. That's what I would think. I do have to correct myself here, and I did not see this in the article before, but Stitcher no longer belongs to Deezer. That's a quote from the article. We now have two separate catalogs, the terms of service covering distribution on both platforms, but it appears if your show isn't on Deezer anymore, contact their support team and they'll make it right. So Stitcher and Deezer are two separate entities now. I did not realize that. If you have had any experience with Deezer, good or bad, let us know through any of the ways. We would love to hear from you. This is where we here at Better Podcasting turn the show over to you as we run through some of your feedback. We call this segment Better Podback. I love the Better Podback section, SP. It's one of my favorite parts of the podcast, even though... I know that we put a lot of effort into the featured segment. I, I love hearing from people. I love hearing about their podcast. Don't you love it? I love it too. And we'll start off with a better pod back feedback from Bandrew says he has the podcastage YouTube channel. And I did listen to a recent episode and he actually had a very prominent YouTuber call him Bandrew pod hostage or something like that. <laughs> I did a very poor job with it. Anyway, Bandrew said, congratulations on 200. So thank you very much, Bandrew. There was actually a little more to that that you'll have to head over to our Discord at betterpodcasting.com slash Discord. He, though, said it was a secret. So you'll have to keep that secret there if you go and check it out. It's very flattering for us. Moving on to the next string of feedback that we had. We had Damien, the DM, say, uh-oh, it's 6 a.m. my time, and I don't see an episode 200 yet. To which Waffle says, I usually have it by 6 a.m. my time. And then Damien comes back and says, I'm not seeing it on the web yet either. So we caused panic hmm. because people did not see the episode. We caused panic? Yes, we, you and me both caused panic. We, we caused panic. Okay. We both mm -hmm. did because we, this is a joint effort. And even though I was holding the show hostage, waiting for SP to sign the contract, uh, it was both of us together. If you just signed that contract a little bit quicker, it could have been released. All I did is my best Tom Holland and I <laughs> pointed to the fans and I said, fans don't want this contract, buddy. We need to make a rearrangement. <laughs> anyway, Stephen said... Sorry, all bit of a delay due to family commitments over the weekend and a compile issue. Now, just a few shows ago, we talked about compiling video on Movie Studio, which is what Steven does. And then we ripped the audio from it for this show on Better Podcasting. And if there is an issue with the compile or the render of the file, it's ours in order for it to recompile or re-render. So uh, Steven had a little oopsie. And uh, he got it done eventually. Yeah. And when I say there was a compile issue, I'll just clarify. There was a there was an editing issue. So there was an editing issue. So, OK, so there was an issue compiling it originally. And then when I pre finally got that together and I previewed it, 
I had forgotten to edit something, which is why I always suggest you preview your podcast before you release it. So then I had to compile it again. So not only did I have a compile, like a true technical compile issue, but also I had to recompile once there was an editing issue. So all sorts of delays, plus the family commitments, plus SP not signing the contract meant that we were a day late. And I apologize. And uh, Waffles, by the way, also said that uh, I was dead to him. I believe that was the summary of it. Uh, it might have been, I'm not getting that Steven is number one tattoo anymore, but he might as well have been saying, Steven, you're dead to me. He did say, as long as I have it for my drive home, I'll be fine. Otherwise, I'll cry myself to sleep tonight. But again, he, he said that, Steven, I, you are dead to me. That's what he said. Well, he didn't say that. He said he's not getting Steven is number one tattoo anymore. I he liter- was, literally he, just said that. Literally just said right, that. Right. But he didn't say you were dead to him. If you're not getting a tattoo of me, especially my face on you, you, that's what you're saying to me. You're saying, Steven, I don't care about you. Moving on to the next piece of feedback here. We had Mimkinetics say, I broke down and bought the upgrade to RX7 standard for $149. I now understand why you love mouth declick, Heather. That one feature made the upgrade worth it and definitely saved a project. Okay, so yes. There was some deals happening over the last few weeks with Isotope's RX-7 standard, especially if you already owned the Elements version. Um, and it was available for $149 as an upgrade from there. I almost did it. Um, there was actually some ways to save a few extra dollars off of that, but I didn't want to say that in the chat. But there was. Um, I almost, almost did it. But at the end of it, I thought, haven't needed it yet. Christmas is coming. Let me just leave it. Let me just leave it. I've had a couple other purchases this year and I I could see myself getting it in the future. There's definitely a few features that the standard edition has that the elements doesn't that I definitely could have used a few different times. So we'll move on to the next one. Heather in the discord said, happy international podcasting day, everyone. Yeah, it was and International Podcasting Day on Monday, September 30th this year. And Al Yaron, Jason, he said, is there some traditional celebration method like eating tacos or drinking a stout? I'm willing to do either or both in celebration. Waffles said ravioli, which I thought was odd because I would think he would say waffles, but he said ravioli. Fair enough. And then I came back in and I said, well, you podcast or listen to podcasts today. You promote the podcast you like. You share the podcast you listen to. You also buy me a brand new BSW Electro Voice RE20 combo. Which, by the way, nobody did. So if you're expecting that to have happened, SP, no. Somebody could have, and it just hasn't arrived yet because this is only two days later. No, because I have put a mail redirect in for all of your mails so that it'll come to me first. That's why I didn't get anything in the mail today. Yeah. <laughs> I want to actually take a second here to talk about that RE20 because in the Discord, there is a little bit of back and forth saying, what, SP, you gave up on the RE320? You made it no secret that you've wanted an RE20 for a while, if not just for the comparison. I think that that's something that will definitely be interesting to see what your thoughts are when you do eventually get one of those one days. But one days. That's great English. But I do look forward to hearing if it does make your voice sound all sorts of different. And I've tried the Shure SM7B. I tried the Electro Voice RE320. I've tried the Rode Procaster. 
I've tried the Audio-Technica BP-40. I have not tried the high LPR-40, but just based on the frequency response and what I hear through other voices, it's probably not for my voice. But out of all those, the Electro Voice 320, RE320, has been the microphone that has won for my voice, hands down, among all the microphones. And the RE20 is supposed to be a little bit better version. So I'm thinking, yeah, at some point in time, it's worth a try. I look forward to that day. And lastly, we had a message from Josh Liston. He said, for any Rodecaster Pro owners and users, I need your help. I have a question about the device as of firmware 2.0. Can you bring music in via the TRRS phone jack, say from an iPad, and resend it back out in stereo via USB to say Spreaker for live streaming by turning the mix minus off on the phone channel. I did actually respond to this because uh, as we mentioned before, SP and I did end up getting a Rodecaster Pro for ourselves through our own purchase. And so I've had a bit of um, trial with it, but not since the 2.0 firmware has come out. But I don't expect that they've made a change in regard to the answer to this question because it was possible. Back when I tried it on 1.3 or whatever it was, it absolutely was possible by hooking up something to the TRS, TRRS and then streaming it out. In fact, I tried a little bit of fun wiring on the officialgunnageek.com show a while back where I took a Skype channel and I input it using a TRRS adapter and then went back out that same sort of way and ended up doing a mix minus and was successful with that. So I had the Rodecaster Pro USB streaming out through XSplit the full mix minus with one participant coming in through that TRS channel. Essentially, just what Josh Liston wanted to do, except actually a little more complicated than what he wanted to do. So it's definitely possible as well. Back when they added that multi-track uh, support, they made it so that you can actually use the USB dual mode. So you can have the USB acting as the mix minus, but also have a stereo mix down channel concurrently. And that's also what I was able to do. So that is possible through a variety of different ways. And the thing that I actually pitched out there in the Discord chat as well is if you've got a device that's using Bluetooth, you can play the music through Bluetooth as well because it does have Bluetooth on it. So you don't even need to worry about the TRRS phone connection if your phone or device that you're wanting to stream those music or sound through has Bluetooth. Unless, of course, you're worried about a quality thing, then your TRRS is probably a little bit better of an option. We also had a shout out on Reddit, and it was via an International Podcast Day post on the podcasting subreddit by Poli Wyland. I think that's a Pol D Wyland. And it was the comment was by Elusive007. And let me just read out what Elusive had to say. I'm one of the hosts of the 21.5 Professional Pilots podcast. We launched this spring and have really been enjoying the process so far. We just surpassed our 6,500th download and couldn't have reached that goal without this great sub and Stargate Pioneer's better podcasting show. Thanks, everyone. First of all, Elusive, congratulations on your 6,500th download in your podcast that has just been out just a few months, about six months or so. 
And then second of all, thank you so much for thanking us over on the podcasting subreddit. That was really neat for both of us to read. And we know that Steven just doesn't play in the Reddit all that much. So Elusive just used my name, but we did both read it and it really lightened both of our days on the morning of International Podcast Day. So I just want to say thank you very much. That was really, really cool to read that Monday morning. Thank you very much for sending it in and for highlighting that as well. If you want to get in touch with us through any of the ways, we'd love to hear from you. You can go ahead and email us, podcast at betterpodcasting.com. You can go ahead and find us over on Twitter at twitter.com slash betterpod or go to facebook.com slash betterpodcasting. SP, there's another episode in the can. But before we go, I want to take a moment here to thank everybody again who did congratulate us on 200th episodes. It's hard to believe 200. I really, really can't believe we're up to 200 already. It really, to me, feels like we just started, SP. And I can't believe it's been so many years, so many episodes since we had that conversation way, 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 way back when pitching this idea of doing this show. It's been fun. And thanks, everybody, who did comment to us over the last week. This show has been really fun over the past four years, and it's really been four years to the month here that we've been doing better podcasting. And it has really been fun, and it's really gone quick. It does feel like yesterday. We do appreciate everybody reaching out to say, hey, congratulations, or hi, or whatever it was. Thank you very much for all of that. And then this fall has been really special. And I think this is the first time I'm going to say it out loud that we had the 300th of the gunnageek.com show, which I haven't been on all 300 episodes, but Steven has, or at least close to it. He's at least actually produced 300 episodes of Gunna Geek. And then we've had 200 episodes here on Better Podcasting. I've done three epi- 300 episodes of Legends of S.H.I.E.L.D. And then tomorrow we will be recording our 250th episode of Starling Tribune. So for me, that's over a thousand episodes across four shows, all consolidated within the span of these past couple of months. And it's been a heck of a ride. And I just want to say thank you to all my listeners on all my podcasts, but especially here on Better Podcasting, because there's been weeks on all those shows, which is like, ah, but I come here to Better Podcasting you guys are the best out of all the audiences. So thank you very much. So there you go for episode 201 of Stargate Pioneers Better Podcasting. I'm Stephen John Drew saying that's a lot of episodes that SP's done and he has a problem. He has an addiction. We will seek him some help. I appreciate the help. Please get us your How I Save My Podcast story podcast at betterpodcasting.com. See you guys next week. Bye. See ya. Thanks for checking out another episode of Better Podcasting. You can find the full back catalog of Better Podcasting at betterpodcasting.com. If you're into geeky podcasts, please check out the other podcasts on the Gunna Geek Network at gunnageeknetwork.com. This show was produced and edited by Stephen John Drew of Gunna Geek Productions. Voice work was done by L.W. Salinas. Thanks again for listening or watching, and we hope to see you again next week.